my name is Suzanne Moretto. No, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Suzanne Moretto is my married name. My own name is Suzanne Stone. That's my professional name. Suzanne Stone. It's not like I have any negative feelings about the name Moretto. Moretto is the name, after all, of my husband, who I loved very, very much. Um, sorry. It's also the name of his parents, Joe and Angela Moretto, and of his lovely and talented sister, Janice Moretto who have been like a second family to me, and who I regard as I do my own family, particularly since my recent tragedy, and who just through knowing and being related to them have given me what I think is a very precious and valuable insight into the different kinds of ethnic relationships that are part of the very things that I've been trying to explore as a member of the professional Tomorrow never dies, but I know how to lose a guy in 10 days. This is Box Office Bylines, a podcast about movies, about journalism. I am Jacob Boone in Yellowknife Northwest Territories, editor, journalist, sometimes writer. Joined, as always, by... Tara Thorne in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where autumn has reared its beautiful multicolored head. How are uh... you doing? Good. Is it the season of the witch, Tara? By our good friend Donovan, the hurdy-gurdy <laughs> man himself? When we picked this movie, I believe I mentioned that in 1995, I was in grade 10. So you were much younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know what satire was. So I saw this movie, mm-hmm. didn't get it, did not know what it was trying to do. Um, and I don't, it just went over my head. Um, so I'm, I was very happy to see To Die For with my cynical 2020 eyes. Can I ask, when did you learn about satire? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If I was a comedy nerd, I would be able to tell you exactly what Saturday Night Live sketch did it for me. <laughs> or Steve Martin. Ironically, now that I say this, I think it was Serial Mom. Which came out around the same time. Serial Mom. Yeah, which is the John Waters. And Do you mean Mr. Mom? No. <laughs> Serial. So it's, there's Kathleen Turner as a murderous, uh-huh. like suburban, like uh, like uh, what was Beaver Cleaver's mom's name? June Cleaver. June Cleaver. Type of of lady, and um, and then she starts a media circus, not unlike the one we see uh, <laughs> in To Die For here. So I guess you know what's... I just missed it. In the mid-90s, there seemed to be a lot of movies about murderous housewives. <laughs> You'd think there'd be more now that we really hate men. Yeah. But there's, so there's the, this movie, To Die For. Yes. Uh, Adam's Family Values. <laughs> I love that movie. I always watch it in October. You know, I don't like Halloween, but I love Adam's Family Values. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, There's I don't those know. two. Society was going through a couple things. <laughs> There's Reservoir Dogs. Sure, yeah. <laughs> There's Madonna Truth or Dare. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tanya Harding was happening. Hi, Tanya. Uh, uh, to Die For, 1995. Mm-hmm. Directed by the Elephant Man himself, 
Fairfax. The Hurdy Gurdy Elven Man. I yelled out loud because I forgot that he did this. And I think Gus Van Sant. I went, Gus Van Sant! Yeah. yeah. Like, probably at you because we were co-watching this. Uh, I really <laughs> forgot that he did it. He's had such an interesting career where he, he does some, he's done some wild card things. Uh, and this would be one of those. Although later in the film, when we, we'll, we'll we'll get to Joaquin Phoenix's uh, nubile chest, which we spend a lot of time with, and that is a Van Sant hallmark. All right, yeah, let's go through the. But um, before that, uh, the other credits written by Buck Henry, prolific legend, American writer, comedy writer, co-writer of The Graduate. No big deal. Liz Lemon's dad. He's also in the movie. Yeah. As a teacher. He is in the movie. Yeah. And he's very funny. Very funny, it. yeah. Uh, based on a book by Joyce Maynard. Starring, of course, Aquaman's mom. Mrs. Aquaman Sr. Aqu- Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman was an Aquaman? Yeah. As some as Aquaman's? She his mom. As Jason as Momoa's mom. mother? Yes. Is she like Athena? Is she just like Mary of the Sea? Like, who is she? I can't tell you what her name was. She's like the princess of Atlantis. And she gets rescued by uh, uh, Samoan, I believe, or Maori. Um, I'm not sure what lineage they went ethnically for Jason Momoa and Aquaman. But Lighthouse Keeper, who, and they fall in love. And they have a baby. And then she has to like... Then, like, ocean troops arrive, and she has to go back to her kingdom. From there, I won't get into what happens, but, you know, there's a couple of twists maybe along the way. Uh, who was the dad? The Rock? Uh, no. Just some guy. dad's name. Just some guy. Well, he's not some They only ever stunt cast one parent. Think about it. Yeah, well, that's all they have money for. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You know, superhero movies, famously low budget. (laughs) Speaking of superhero movies, how about a super villain movie? Also in this movie, as you mentioned, mm. Joaquin Joker. Woker Phoenix, <laughs> Phoenix, the Joker himself. Uh, also a new dad. Congrats to him and Rooney Mara. Ugh, I know they're listening. I, I feel like Joaquin and Rooney, who are both militant sure. vegans, would be Rooney. just the worst dinner hangout people. Just yeah. the worst. I think you and I have talked about this where, like, I, I actually really do like Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. But, but he's clearly I never want to be, like, on a subway car yeah. with him or yeah, 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 yeah. out to dinner. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. And as far as Mara's go, Kate is the one to pick, in my opinion. Sure, unless there's another one I don't know about. <laughs> Just like there's, like, the third Hemsworth that no one remembers his name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two people I would love to go out to dinner with, also in this movie, Matt Dillon and Ileana Douglas. Yeah, they seem fun. Yeah, and they're having a fun time in this. They really are. And Matt Dillon, you know, he was also in In and Out that around the same time, which is an excellent uh, queer comedy starring Kevin Kline. And this is based on a story that Tom Hanks Mm -hmm. stole. uh, Sorry, this is based on a story Tom Hanks told at the I think at the Oscars when he won his first Oscar for Philadelphia. He dedicated it to his teacher. And apparently he outed him. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this is the story of this movie. And Matt Dillon plays the Oscar-winning actor. So not really a Tom Hanks parable, if you think about it. Wait, Matt Dillon plays the actor? The actor who wins. Yeah, like his high school student. And then who played the teacher? Kevin Kline. 
Because Burt Reynolds is in that, isn't no, he? No, you're um, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck plays the tabloid reporter who comes to town to cover oh, it. Because this is where we were in the we're 90s. To, a gay teacher. We're going to have to review this. <laughs> it's one. Oh, yeah, we do. I love this movie. Yes. Okay, in and out. We're adding it to the list. But let's move right. on. Matt Dillon playing a very lovable, just local idiot. who Jersey yeah, meathead. He just falls in yeah. love with this a himbo. woman. A himbo. He truly is a himbo. Yeah. He's in love with early 90s Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. as the world was. Truly. And Tom Cruise was on paper. Contract said ten nine year ten years less a day, so he didn't have to pay her half. Uh-huh. Uh so this is a dark comedy, as you said, sort of satire. Mm-hmm. I mean, it fits a a kind of loose theme we've had of uh Nightcrawler and Ace in the Hole of sort of journalists without morals who are gonna do anything to get ahead, but in this case, it's not really a journalism film. Like barely, I mean, she's a weather person, she barely does any weather. Yeah, but she has lofty career goals. It almost goes back to journalism too much, because it's basically about a suburban housewife who gets annoyed at her husband and and seduces some teens to murder him. With very little motive. I, it almost feels like that's a, poor description of the plot but that that is kind of it and yet it's great it's incredible it's very fun it is it's incredible to watch yes. it's incredibly incredibly edited and made for mm-hmm. something i was telling you like it feels not of its time um in bombshell our last episode we talked about the that sort of meta narrative movie where you have talking heads and characters turn to the camera and that's happening here it's like the office there's all these mockumentary interviews with all the characters happening after the fact and it plays with the frame and it plays with footage um just the kind of there's like it's not in any sort of chronological order it's all over the map in just a really creative i know it was the mid 90s and pulp fiction was out so everyone started doing that but it's still 1995 i mean it's about the it same time. Like they wouldn't, he wouldn't have, like it's not like Van Sant saw Pulp Fiction and ripped it off. But I see what you're saying. It's well, like, we can't say that. It, what's that? <laughs> he may have. Nah. Seen but it I mean, early cut. but like, yeah. Well, Tarantino is the ripoff king. First of all. Second of all. Um, no, he pays homage. <laughs> sorry, that's right. He's just tributing. <laughs> his. He's just uh, uh-huh. you know reflecting his uh, influences. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> it's like. Sure, the timeline jumps, which are hard to get a handle on uh, for like a minute, and then you're then you're in. But it's like all these different filmmaking techniques, and it's all these different stocks, and not in the way that Soderbergh did it in Traffic, where you're like, blue stock means this, and hot stock means Mexico. Like, who cares? It's just like we're we're watching, you know, VHS, and we're watching talk shows, and they're doing talking heads for a documentary we never see or or know mm-hmm. who's behind and um you know it's it's basically all about how to get famous in america and now everyone's sort of famous in some capacity so it's like not interesting as a topic or it's not it's definitely not something you'd make a feature film about now i don't think or it'll be on instagram or something um but yeah definitely at the time it was um you know tabloid journalism was really coming into its own and um and that's sort of the focus here is like is is the lead up to this huge story of her yeah. hiring these these teens to murder her husband. Um, so this this would have been coming out what four years after Tanya Harding. Yeah, um, not even not even that many. I don't think a couple of years though. Maybe, 
but it was also like just after I think like Court TV had launched a couple years earlier. Um, why they were filming it, the O.J. Simpson stuff started. So there was, yeah, the sort of obsession with true crime tabloid TV was in earnest kicking off mm-hmm. in American culture. Uh, along with cable news and, and all the derivatives that came out of that. And this was sort of a... Just even just the idea. So she starts to make this documentary about these teens. And I think she's half serious. I kind of don't know. Um, but even this idea that you're documenting everything all the time, that was a very yeah. new idea for the time. And of course, it's every day now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, like, but it's another way, as you said, that it that it makes the movie feel ahead of that it was made or it was released in the wrong time. Uh, because it really has a lot to say about what we do now. It absolutely could be adapted and updated as some influence error Netflix teen version of this. Saoirse Ronan is Suzanne Stone. Yeah, I'd say. Emily Emily in Paris is basically to die for <laughs> without the murder. I think I haven't watched it, but that's what I'm getting from the discourse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Nicole Kidman is someone, you know, I talked in the bombshell episode about how I kind of came late to Charlize Theron. I have a bit of a blonde blindness, like it doesn't register for me. Um, okay. <laughs> don't tweet me. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just a preference um, or not a preference. So it takes a while. And so Nicole Kidman in the 90s was married to Tom Cruise for better or worse. Yes. Worse for her, I'm pretty sure. Um, and wow. so I didn't care like about her yeah i think so i think it was sort of like it's really unfortunate for me because she was doing all this really interesting work when she was married to him yeah but her i was really into tabloids like literally star and the national Enquirer and and things like that um so you were always reading she was more of a tabloid figure to me i mean not a tabloid but just more like a personality like i didn't take her seriously as an actor um, and I don't feel that way now. And mm-hmm. this part is so incredible. There's so many notes she has to play, like like bimbo. Actually, is she in on it? Is she smarter than you think she is? Like sometimes yeah. she's playing the femme fatale. She's playing like there's all these parts and you never know when Suzanne is telling the truth. And I think it's so uh, integral to her character because you you know, Matt Dillon gives this speech in a bowling alley early on about how she's so pure and innocent and um, and he loves that about her and he's going to marry her. And you're like, yeah, of course you are. Look at her. She her hair looks like a halo. Um, <laughs> and she her performance is incredible. She's phenomenal in this. I, th- I feel like nowadays the culture would be more forgiving um, or at the time the culture would have been much less forgiving of her being married to big megawatt tom Cruise, like that that's all anyone that's all everyone reduced her to mm-hmm. and now she would still have like a weird husband she does his name's and Keith there would Irving. be articles about that but it would be easier to see you know her actual performance because she was made like she made other interesting movies at the time she was clearly like trying to establish herself as a really strong interesting actor yeah the jane campion um, stuff was in this time mm-hmm 
Um, she did stuff in Australia before she kind of became famous. Yeah, like there's she did. Days of Thunders in there, which is where I believe she met Tom Cruise. Apparently, he came to set many times for this film. Oh, how fun and would for take everyone. Them They'd take them out to dinner and they would have movie screenings at the house they rented. Tom Cruise I, seems like a uh, um, nice, fun person who I would never want to like ask any personal questions. Of, I don't think I, you get anything. It would get dark real fast. Yeah, also he's the vice president of a cult and people forget that. Yeah. He's second in command in the Church of Scientology. That is like a legitimately scary thing that no one ever talks about. We don't need to talk about We don't need to talk about I was gonna. I was going to talk about some stunts that he worked that he does. <laughs> All his running. But let's, let's go back to Nicole. Yes, we don't need to follow that. Give Nicole her due. She, um, she has an incredible scene where... So she stages their honeymoon in the movie, not in real life. To be at the same hotel, there's like a TV executive conference happening so that she can schmooze and network. And she meets some smarmy uh, uh, sexual harasser roger ailes type played by uh george siegel from just shoot me that's something we should do mm-hmm. too <laughs> however many we nine seasons that. there were of it um and he like tells her this story of how some famous anchor woman got ahead by writing herself a reference letter saying that it was from her previous boss and that she gives really good head and kidman plays it like she doesn't know what he's referencing at first or or like she's like well who wrote it then and so then she goes to her community station like basic cable it looks like wayne knight newman is the guy in charge and she goes to give him the letter and it's actually kind of very funny that he blows it off like i'm busy i don't like i don't care there's no jobs here yeah (laughs) he doesn't even read it and she tears the letter up and then gives this big speech which she rips off from the speech George Siegel made at the conference all about how uh, uh, important the news is. And and it's this big, powerful journalism moment where she steamrolls over these guys, basically, <laughs> and makes a job for herself. Yeah, it's a very, like, um, uh, who's the Facebook lady? Sheryl Sandberg would be very proud of how <laughs> Suzanne leaned in. Yeah. And then it's great because they basically let her be intern, but one night she gets to do the weather and she immediately again creates a brand for herself. She makes like an on-screen graphic (laughs) and says that she's coming from the, you know, WWEN weather center. And they're like, weather center? (laughs) It's literally like a podunk hole in the wall on a downtown street. It's so good. I wish they had almost, as a journalism movie, like kept going and she kept working her way up the ladder sort of nightcrawler style where where she just gets more and more opportunities <laughs> i wish um, we had seen until her, she's sorry i wish we had seen her pick the like make the logo yeah all of yeah, the yeah, things yeah. she would have ruled out because there's there's something later on when she's become successful where i think Ileana douglas says she thinks she has taste <laughs> and yeah. like it would have been good to see what she wanted that logo to be Ileana douglas is fantastic in this very good um yeah i i i hadn't seen this before and just floored by it. the production design the costumes um it's just such a weird we haven't even gotten to the teens the the no good nicks that she seduces uh played by um former brothers-in-law 
Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and Casey Affleck. Yeah. And uh, third, I forget the actor's name. I do too. It was her first movie and she was really good. Oh, and damn. she's like the only likable person in the whole thing. So we should probably. I think know Joaquin's her name. pretty likable. Her name's Allison Falland. And she, her name's oh. Lydia in the movie. Yeah. Um, I thought they were all very good for a, a group of young actors. And Joaquin, like. Joaquin's mullet is clearly, outstanding, uh, first of all. It's very. It's part of. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, he's got like a mullet in his hair. <laughs> he looks like a hipster from my neighborhood right now. Yeah, <laughs> and he plays it very like dumb. Yeah. And Casey Affleck is is at some like entirely different school of acting where he's from like Jersey Boys or so. He's got a very <laughs> thick Boston accent, and he every line references his crotch, and he just at one point is just like wailing on a car. <laughs> at the junkyard <laughs> very well acted movie it's of the 90s in a way that i don't think the adult teacher seducing the teenage boy could be shown as i don't think it, it the movie's like in favor of it or finds it sexy or anything but it also doesn't find it as disgusting as it Maybe as it oh no, these days. I mean let's let's circle back to the nubile chest situation. All right, so sure. <laughs> it is very clear that Suzanne's motive in all of this, like she's pulling the boys closer. She doesn't really care about Casey Affleck, but she's pulling no. in Jimmy, who is Joaquin, and when she comes up, yeah, when she comes up with this um, murder plan, she realizes that she needs to like like trade it for six essentially um so the camera yeah it's it sort of starts before that though it's like she's there's some indication she's like they talk about how she's into bad boys or whatever because they start having sex before the plan to murder comes around yeah but don't i i feel i don't know i feel like the documentary was she's definitely using it yeah like the documentary was a fake way to ingratiate these kids to her to figure it out anyway yeah Irregardless, as Casey Affleck <laughs> would say. Um, regardless, uh, she kind of pulls him in. Anyway, but we know, like, she might be excited by the prospect of, like, cheating on her um, husband overall, and then maybe with a teen. Who's to say? But, like, she's she doesn't desire, the desire levels are not the same at all. No. He is obsessed, and she's like, whatever, like, I'll use you as a stepping stone. But the camera, there's a scene in the scene where she convinces him to do it. Um, it's sort of this this BJ scene, and she keeps coming back up, and the, and then the camera <laughs> will like lingers on his chest, and then she goes back down, and it slowly pans down his yeah. chest. Like there was like it's almost three times. There's like a half pan, yeah. and then they cut away, and it's too much. It's too much. The male gaze, <laughs> it's pointed all kinds of ways. There's also a scene where he's like masturbates to her on the weather, mm-hmm. and it's Joaquin totally naked, but framed in a sort of John Lennon in bed kind of way. Yeah. So you don't see anything, but you're still seeing more. Or like Calvin C. Than K. probably K. anyone wants the time. to see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just like okay, dude, and like 
and my point to the to the camera lingering mm-hmm. in the first scene is like that's not her point of view. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't. No, that's not how it she pauses feels. at his like sternum. So why are we doing this? I know why, but still, I do not like it. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, you know take a little break. And I feel like I feel like '90s movies are probably a gold mine for trivia. Yeah, I got some stuff. All right. So let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk trivia. Cool. Couldn't you just get a divorce? And and then... And then we'll... he would get the condo. And he'd get the car. And he'd take Walter from me. He'd take Walter. Listen, uh, I know you think I'm just a kid, but... I could never do anything bad to you. Or, or ever hurt you. A guy that does that to someone like you doesn't deserve to live. That's the truth, he doesn't deserve to live. No, I suppose you're right. He doesn't. And you're back with Box Office Bylines, where this week we are talking about the underseen, underappreciated 90s gem to die for. On did make a lot of money. But critically well regarded. Mm, it like I mean, it's a hard thing to sell. It's like an adult yeah. drama, but it's a it's, but it's yeah funny. And there's teens for some reason. Like it's like a mishmash of things. I can't imagine the marketing plan was very. Um, I actually one of the things I read was that the studio apparently the studio doesn't ever give up rights to the poster design. And that was one thing where, though they had, like Gus Van Sant and 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 his team had some say in obviously how it gets gets edited in the final picture, uh, not in the poster. So the poster is a very sultry Nicole Kidman with like bare shoulders mm-hmm. and to die for. And you would think it's just some erotic thriller. Yeah, some B movie like Red Shoe Diaries garbage. Yeah, which I guess that's what they went with. Uh, did you know this was based on a real life case, Tara? No, but I'm not surprised. The story of Pamela Smart, remember her? Oh, yes. Okay, I do know that name. So in uh, 1990, at age 22, Smart was accused of seducing and conspiring with her underage sex partner. That's a way to phrase that, I guess. Um, The then 15-year-old William Billy Flynn and three of his friends to have her 24-year-old husband, Gregory, killed in Derry, New Hampshire. She's later convicted of being an accomplice to first-degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and witness tampering, and is currently serving a life sentence. Um, Her trial, widely watched, again, it was the first U.S. court case, I think, to allow TV cameras in the courtroom. So, again, it's one of these, like, big, uh, uh, you know, O.J. would have blown it off the page a couple years later, but... Um, yeah, it, it was something I think a lot of people were aware of and worth mentioning. I think now that she's since become a prison rights activist for women in jail, um, though actually still maintains her innocence and that it was the teens who were wanted to kill her husband and she just had to go along. Oh, a couple things. A life sure. sentence in the U S is 25 years, so she could be out and about. Provided that they allowed her to serve those what, right. concurrently. Concurrently. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing that we didn't talk about in the first half is that there's really no motive to kill no. her husband. And um, we, <laughs> it's like someone, he says, why don't, Jimmy says, why don't you just divorce him? Which is a logical thing to do. Yeah. 
and she just seems to think that he's gonna he's gonna take everything. He's gonna take the condo. He's gonna take the car. The he's gonna take the dog, the little Pomeranian yeah. Walter. Um, like she doesn't really think the plan through. And she decides to kill him because he brings up having kids, mm-hmm. like twice, in a very gentle way, sort of like, "Hey, I want to have some kids," and that's it, man. She's she zeroes in like the Terminator. Right. <laughs> this guy's in her way. Yeah. Because she wants to get to New York. And then she just says, well, he, he beats me up. And, yeah. you know, if, if I would believe that, <laughs> I would. <laughs> if someone said that to me. So it's sort of like, oh, okay. Well, that's a good reason for him to die. And there's mm-hmm. even, the, even the murder, he's sort of like, here, take my watch. Take what you want. Like, he's nice about it till the very oh, end. Oh, he's so nice to the team. And then they're like, give us your ring. And he's like, no, come on, guys. My yeah. wife will kill. He doesn't try it's to fight them. Pleasant <laughs> it's a very pleasant New murder. Hampshire home invasion. <laughs> Right up until he gets got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this wasn't filmed in New Hampshire, Tara. It wasn't. I learned that at the very sh- end when I saw some familiar names and faces. <laughs> shot in the greater Toronto area. Most of the urban downtown stuff shot in Brampton, also at Lake Simcoe. And yeah, as we recognized in the credits, there are yeah. a couple of familiar names, including a member of a rock band called Sloan from our hometown, Halifax. Yes. Andrew Scott, not the hot priest from Fleabag. <laughs> He's the silver fox of Sloan. Also, at the end, so Suzanne is taken out by a mafia hitman who is played mm-hmm. in pre-silver fox times by David Cronenberg, of course. Yeah. So Andrew Scott was, Matt, Dill- Matt Dillon plays the drums mm-hmm. in the band in the movie. So he was the drum tutor. Oh, well, that's and cool. And then... When they filmed, I guess, the scene of them playing, they're like, hey, why don't you get on bass? Or I don't know if they did it that way, but they, you know, it makes sense. He can play an instrument. He can play. Great, uh, I mean, the Sloan people are famous for all four. Of, all four mm-hmm. of them can play all the three main instruments. I like to think they were filming. I know this isn't how it would go, but they were filming the end of the movie at the lake anyway. And they're like, we need a creepy guy to play this role. We haven't been able to cast anyone. And David Cronenberg was just there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were like, "Hey, can you come here and be creepy?" And of course, like he just wanders around Toronto looking for film shoots to play a strange role in. That's my dream. I yeah, and it's you know what he was just in that um one that took place at Niagara Falls last year. I think he's probably up for acting jobs just generally. Uh, I don't know what that. Movie I can't was. remember what it's called. But continue with your trivia, and I over the falls. <laughs> Uh, to prepare for his romantically forlorn character, Joaquin would listen to Barry White in his trailer when they weren't shooting. Oh, I guess he was mm-hmm. constantly horny, Jimmy. Well, yeah, he would have been. What, how old was he with this? I don't know. Like in his late early teens, 20s, possibly early twenties. That film was called Disappearance at Clifton Hill. Mm, over the Falls is better. <laughs> Uh, Joyce Maynard wrote this book, if you want to feel bad, in two weeks. Her husband and three children left for two weeks, or her three children left for two weeks to spend time with their father, and she just decided, what the hell, I'll write a novel. Cool. That's like a John Hughes, Stephen King statistic. And I think what people (laughs) leave out is the cocaine involved in staying up that long. And the alcohol. Yeah. There's, I'm sorry, she's not being fueled by the... Mid-Eastern air, wherever she lives. I don't know where she's from. (laughs) 
Nicole Kidman said Suzanne's weather reports were tough for her. She was freaked out doing long monologues in an American accent, which she does struggle with a little bit. Yeah, there's some Australian in here for sure. Uh, she did also, there's a scene where she dances outside the car, outside a car in the rain while Sweet Home Alabama is playing. And it's, you know, Joaquin is, is, had just agreed to like kill her husband. And now he's, he's falling even more deeply in love with her. And it's a very funny scene very sexy. And she only agreed to do that if he, if Gus Van Sant gave her some champagne first. So she drank and danced for Joaquin. And she remembered thinking, I'm so embarrassed. He must think I'm such a geek. Can't imagine. Yeah, that I'm sure. Was the case. Her having no pants on and looking yeah. like she did then. <laughs> How horrible. There's also a very funny time moment, Gus Van Sant said. There's a lot of articles about this online. You can go look them up. Um, where Joaquin was doing in it in his like jail cell where the character ends up they were doing an interview and the lights were very bright so he couldn't see the camera and crew people behind them and the OJ Bronco chase was happening and one by one people started hearing about it and peeling off to the other room to go watch and so for a while Joaquin was just like prepping his lines and trying to like talk to people who weren't there before he realized he was all by himself Oh, that's a real 90s yeah. uh, snapshot. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> uh, okay, what else? They test audiences didn't understand Nicole's character. So I could they see that added... as a teen in the 90s yeah. I wouldn't if I was in that audience. Um, I think I'd mentioned this to you before, but they actually, uh, the script originally was, cro- was chronological. Like, it, it, this is chopped up and chopped and screwed as they might say that's really interesting Um, i did wonder that if buck henry wrote it that way but he didn't and i guess they got inspired in the editing by the formative citizen kane probably would have been before the editing i'm sure they would have planned some other stuff but um the format of citizen kane where you learn throughout the movie who he was from different people oh uh but test audiences weren't a fan of that (laughs) (laughs) they were confused about whether she was you know good or bad or what so they added a title sequence to communicate the tone earlier on, which has some like spinning newspaper headlines, which we love, and like her on the courthouse steps, that sort of thing, uh, as well as some music by composer Danny Elfman, created uh, the Simpsons who, theme, who uh, among many others, and and he related to the problem because he said another film he had scored had a similar issue that would be Beetlejuice, when a character doesn't oh. enter the movie until a third of the way into it. Um, and then you have to convey in music the tone and and get the character across before they arrive. So there you go, Suzanne and Beetlejuice. <laughs> Don't say it a third time. The Beetlejuice cinematic. No, Tara. Oh no. <laughs> would you be it. afraid if Michael Keaton showed up though? Like he's. I would now. love it. <laughs> I've had a long day, but I would I would you make would him just some dinner. My God! If Michael Keaton showed up at your door, yeah, it'd be pretty good. He'd have doesn't matter stories. what hour of the day it is. <laughs> so standing How invite delightful for Michael would Keaton be. to break into either one of our houses. First off, we'd get him on the pod. Yeah. To talk about the uh, paper and spotlight. And spotlight. Oh my God! We should try anyway. And the Spidermans. Yeah. Michael, if you're listening. <laughs> if your friend Jed Apatow piqued your interest in recent <laughs> weeks. Uh, Ileana Douglas was just four show- votes shy of an Oscar nomination. Ah, that's too bad. For the supporting actress, it is. Um, 
And Nicole Kidman also did not get an Oscar nomination. There was a lot of thought that she would. Um, but she did. She did get a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. And I think a BAFTA nomination. Right. Uh, but after she didn't get an Oscar nomination, she got a letter from a fan saying you were robbed. And that was just as good as an Oscar nomination because that letter was from... Meryl Street. Sean Penn. Oh, sh- <laughs> Sean Penn would know. Spicoli. <laughs> uh, originally, the role was for Meg Ryan. I could see that. She would have been really good. She would have been. Um, who eventually dropped out and uh, other people considered were Patricia Arquette, Jennifer Connelly, Joan Cusack, Bridget Fonda, Jodie Foster, Melanie Griffith, Daryl Hannah, Holly Hunter, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tatum O'Neill, Mary Louise Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michelle Pfeiffer, Brooke Shields, and Uma Thurman. That's like your your blonde yeah. <laughs> blind spot. I know. I you wouldn't be like, able to see oh, most of those people. Holly Hunter, Jodie Foster. You know, they were very serious then, but they would have been really good too. All, all, yeah. Any of those people would have been very good. After working in the film, Casey Affleck brought director Gus Van Sant a script written by his brother Ben and Ben's friend Matthew. Oh, no. Kicking off the Goodwill Hunting universe. How do you like them Cinematic apples, universe. he asked Gus. Ah. Bringing us Mini Driver and Matt Damon breaking up with Mini Driver on Oprah. Yeah, she didn't know. That was cool. She did not know. <laughs> Stephen Dorff and Edward Furlong were considered for the role of Jimmy. Edward Furlong would have been really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, considered for the role of Janice, who played by Ileana Douglas, were Sandra Bullock, Ellen DeGeneres, Janine Garofalo, Jamie Gertz, Terry Hatcher, Catherine Keener, Meg Tilly, Jennifer Tilly, and Laura San Giacomo. Giacomo? Giacomo, yeah. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, that tells mm-hmm. you what time we were in. Because that was in the time when they were trying to make a revival movie star. Like Mr. Yeah. Wrong and Ed TV didn't go so well. Was she in Ed TV? She was. She was like the station manager. When was the Ellen show? Not the current one, but the Oh, the TV the show? The sitcom. I think yeah. it was like before that or like during that. Mm. Jeremy Piven was in that? He was. He did not have hair, but he did when he went on Enrage. Interesting. Entourage. Um, By the way, Gus Van, Sant, <laughs> Gus Van Sant has a cameo <clears throat> on Entourage. Um, he want er, Vince wants to be in his new movie, and Eric Murphy E goes mm-hmm. to Gus Van Sant's production office, and they're like, "Gus is in here," and he's like, "No, that's him over there." <laughs> and then he, and then Gus is like, "There's no part for Vince here." Um, and I probably and that's that's an entire episode that takes forty five. It definitely minutes. does. That's every episode, <laughs> and then in the end, I'm sure he relented and let Vince do the movie, but I can't remember. Uh, you did make me think of my favorite Gus Van Sant cameo in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back <laughs> when he plays himself on the set of Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season. It's very funny. Uh, Nicole Kidman's performance in this film went on to serve as inspiration for several other actresses. Now, this is from IMDb Trivia, so who the hell knows if it's true, but... Uh, Reese Witherspoon decided to star in Election, and Charlize Theron chose to do Young Adult after seeing Kidman's turn as Suzanne Stone. Oh, now Young Adult is the movie that flipped me on Charlize, and I can see that because you know what? They are both complicated and unlikable characters, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a thing women did in the 90s, hence Meg Ryan not doing it. And of course, Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman would 
get to hang out on Big Little Lies. And it's terrible second season, but we always have the first. It's weird that there's Big Little Lies and also Pretty Little Liars. And also um, Little Fires Everywhere. Right. There's a lot going on with lies. All right. Uh, Rosamund Pike also used Kidman's performance as inspiration for her role in Gone Girl. Oh, that makes sense too. Amazing Amy. Ben Affleck, Casey's brother. Oh, boy. When Janice, Ileana Douglas, hears the news of Larry's death, she faints and lands on her arm, which is in a cast for her next several scenes. This was written in the script after Douglas actually broke her thumb while horsing around with Dylan. Ah. Gus Van Sant wanted to incorporate the injury into the film. Well, that's making uh, lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, kind of. I lo- You know what? I love hearing... One of my favorite things is like, they broke their arm in this scene. I mean, I'm sorry it <laughs> happened, but it's always like, I didn't know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, incorrectly regarded as goofs when Suzanne refers to Pierre Trudeau as an ex-president of Canada. But of course, Canada has prime ministers. Many people think the filmmakers got that wrong, but it was intentional. Yeah, it seems it very intentional. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I guess finally, that's all I have really. One of two films starring Nicole Kidman released in 1995. The other, Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever. Oh boy. And Bat, Batman, the Batman, um, Ben the Affleck. Batman. She wasn't in that one. <clears throat> and Wait, she's no. not in the Robert Pattinson one. Was she Catwoman? No, she was Poison Ivy. No, who, who was she? <laughs> She played his love interest. She wasn't any sort of superhero oh, or villain. She was a therapist, I believe, by the name Dr. Chase Meridian. Sure. And uh, she gets kidnapped by Jim Carrey's The Riddler and Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Well, that mm-hmm. sounds like a winner, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Jacob, thanks so much. <laughs> I Sarah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. We're recording late, so we're a little punchy. We are a bit punchy. I've had some mead. Do you know about Uh-oh. mead? It's what Vikings drank. It's technically when honey goes bad. Like that's and then it becomes alcohol. Uh-huh. So the girl told me. Um okay. <laughs> You are on Twitter at RWJ Boone. Correct. B O O N. And you are on Twitter. I am back. For now. Like Arnold. I mean, I guess it could change. It could change. If people are in my grill, I'm going to go again. But right now, I'm back. Thorny H-F-X. T-H-O-R-N-E-Y-H-F-X. Thorny H-F-X. And do you want to tell everybody about the new thing you're doing? Oh, we can do that if you want. So I'm sorry I'm stepping out on you podcast-wise. But this is a very... This is a global podcast that we do. This new podcast that I'm doing, which is called The Tideline, is a very local podcast. It's about arts and culture in Halifax. And you can... It's paid... It's not this this glorious free content yeah. that you get, so you have to really <laughs> want to know what's going on in Halifax that week and what I think of it. Um, but you can go to halifaxexaminer.ca to uh, you know check out the deets if you are so inclined. Go check that out. Pace for some good podcast some good content talking. from Tara and the team at the Halifax Examiner who are doing some cool stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to listen and pay for it, you know. Sure. I don't mind that you. I'll send you, know, you the file. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, as long as you know people realize this is the original. I mean, Terra Thorn podcast. Twenty five for twenty five is the original one. 
Yeah, but that was very regional too. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> that didn't get retweeted by Judd Apatow. It didn't. We can put that on our tombstones, you and I. I am going to put it in. It's already in my CV. So. <laughs> We're going to be back next time with uh, The Ring, another classic journalism movie. ring I've never seen it. But we're uh, we're expanding. We're playing a little loose with the rules because it's Halloween and it's spooky and we want to watch some horror films. Especially, well, you don't, but I that's don't, almost I more really the reason don't. why I want to. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have a special guest, which will be fun. Yeah, I'm very and, excited yeah. to have her on the pad. So we will see you all then. And I don't have my sign-offs in front of me, so keep shipping the news. <laughs> that's the only one I remember. <laughs> Bye, Jacob.